David, I love that candle you're burning. You seem to always have a great candle burning. I am very aware of how room smells. When you've spent over a decade with a 75 pound Labrador retriever and two teenage boys, you start to worry that your house smells like the inside of a gym bag. I would imagine so. You know what I wish we'd had for the last decade? What? That Puro Air Purifier we now own and use all the time. I love my Puro Air too. Did you know that indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? Yes, I lived with two teenage boys. I can 100% testify <laughs> to that. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Gases from a preteen boy? <laughs> I'm dreading when my nephews start making those gases. Just you wait. Thankfully, Puro Air uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. You wouldn't drink unfiltered tap water, so why would you breathe unfiltered air? Thanks to my Puro Air Purifier, I feel like I can breathe again. Check it out at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time, getpuroair.com. Check it out now. Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow provides meaningful screen time and shared experiences for families to help you grow in your faith together. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com. We are delighted to get to sit down with Elizabeth Hasselbeck and a little intimidated. There's no one we've ever interviewed that's a professional interviewer themselves. And so let us tell you a little bit more about Elizabeth. She graduated from Boston College in 1999, where she played on their Division I softball team while majoring in studio art. After graduating, Elizabeth designed footwear for Puma. In 2002, she competed in Survivor, the Australian Outback, taking fourth place, which is just amazing. For the next 10 years, she co-hosted the daytime talk show, The View, on ABC and became an Emmy Award recipient. In 2013, Elizabeth joined Fox & Friends, where she served as a co-host for two years. As a gluten-free celiac, Elizabeth has written two New York Times best-selling books. Elizabeth has been a member of Team RWB, a veterans nonprofit for five years and currently sits on the advisory board of the Positivity Project. Elizabeth is married to former NFL quarterback and current ESPN analyst Tim Hasselbeck, and they have three children, Grace, Taylor, and Isaiah, all of whom can be found listening to K-Love throughout each day. And Elizabeth is a dear friend of ours and just a dear person in general. She's delightful, and we are so excited for you to get to glean from her wisdom. What happened when we sat down feels like such a picture of Elizabeth. You walk in 
for us to glean from your knowledge and your wisdom, and you make us feel like a million bucks just oh. out of the starting gate, Elizabeth. And I have never, ever been with you, and I think I'm speaking from both of us, I've never, ever been with you that I don't walk away feeling like you are deeply delightful, for one thing, and that you help me know Jesus better, and mm. that you yes. fill me with a sense of hope for what things are like. And, mm. and you have this brilliant way of being really realistic and truthful and honest, but also having this sense of hope. When we were talking about different chapters and people we would want to be on different chapters, you were such a no-brainer to talk about hope because it mm. is what I leave with every single time I'm with mm. you. Not only have you done all these amazing things and written beautiful books, so grateful for Flashlight Night that Henry, my nephew, is obsessed with. He's he says, so precious. Flashlight Night, Flashlight Night, all the time. <laughs> It all ripples out of who you are Mm. as a person, and you just are such a gift to us. I mean, I feel like our lives have been changed, both of us, by your kindness and your hope that you bring just out of who you are. So So I'm so grateful for you, friend, and so glad you spent time with us. They're so true. Sweet words. I need a lot of grace. No, you bring so much grace to But I'm so thankful for both of you. If I don't have enough hours to sit here, if I could, I would just read out loud all the books that you've published because I think the wisdom in that has really given me permission to be the mom that I think God created me to be Mm. and that I don't have to do it without looking for things to guide me along the way and really understand these children more. I know God made me to be the mom of the three kids and Tim to be the dad that he is, but we need— wisdom along the way and trusted wisdom. I think seeking it from those that you admire. The two of you exude so much hope. Like I love to go climbing with the kids. I love rope climbing. I don't lo- I actually don't love rope climbing. I think there was a time in my life that it did, but I love doing it with them because I think it does different things at different stages for them. And I don't really like leaving where I am to get to the next thing. Like it feels scary. And so it's a good reminder for me to be like, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to clip right in this line. And I love that feeling of being like clipped into the line and on my harness because I know likely I'm going to like lose my footing and fall. And so it's not that the denial that like failure won't happen or fear is not there, but I think it feels like when you're clipped into the word of God and his truth and clipped into wisdom from friends like the two of you with such a depth of understanding of the development of kids and adolescents that it's going to be okay. We're going to get to that next like stage. Mm-hmm. We're going to get there. <laughs> it's not going to feel any less scary, but it's not going to feel dreadful. There's a difference, I think. And yes. I think the difference is feeling like you're not going to fall all the way down and hit the bottom. You're just going to you're going to be caught and that harness is for sure for me the word of god his promises and also the surrounding of friends and experts that are holding us through this time that can see things by the gifts that god's given both of you for us like for our benefit which is just a huge gift so i'm like fully in my harness with the two of you i'm like mm-hmm. we're good if i have sissy and david like we're going to get through this all time <laughs> the good times and the fun times and the hard times but it definitely feels like that, I think, as a parent sometimes. Mm. I love that analogy. I've never even, well, I've never rope climbed. So <laughs> We're going. Jump to that. Okay. 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 When's the next availability? <laughs> it's funny. I've taken the kids at so different cool. times. I've taken them with a new friend. When we were in Connecticut, I took Grace with a friend that she had just needed to get to know someone when we moved to this school. And they became bonded from that. And they're still friends to this day. Wow. And then I'll take the kids, like if I feel like they're entering into an uncertain season, we like to do that. And then we actually went as a family during COVID, 
with like masks. It was a little hard. We couldn't so much see where we were going, but like <laughs> it was even more scary for me because I'm like, now I feel trapped and I'm mm. on these moving logs. But as a family, it felt like a great analogy for what we were kind of walking through mm. with so COVID. Cool. I love that you're experiencing it with them mm-hmm. because kids learn so much through experience like that. That's a great idea and they get to see you be afraid of something like they see me really afraid like (laughs) but like i'm like clinging to this one you're gonna love this part (laughs) clinging to this one i'm like i really don't like i could stay here like i'm like a stay you know what i mean like i'm fine to stay as long as i can in the uncomfortable i'm good i'll just stay on this log but there's no progress in that and i think that's what they needed to see from me that they know i can hang out in something uncomfortable for a long time that's just who i am Mm. Fortunately and unfortunately, but I think they needed to see me let go to get somewhere else. And what that took was trust. And so it's a big trust build for, I think, our family on different ways at different times, but it's kind of my default. But now they're kind of on to me. They're like, what do you think is wrong? Why are we going rope climbing? Do you think I'm not confident? Am I displaying uncertainty? (laughs) That's great. It's just fun. Yeah. Your sharing that was the most beautiful answer to the very question I wanted to ask you. I'm not even sure you would want to say anything more. I wanted to ask you what being a hopeful parent means to you. And I was listening to you share that story mm. and thinking, what a picture. Mm. What a picture, I think, of who you are mm. as a parent. And I think what it looks like to live hope yeah. with kids. I feel like I have more questions for the two of you. Like I think because parents can sit in failure sometimes. You know, I think there's guilt. I think there's guilt of being distracted as a parent. I think there's guilt in feeling like, you know, you might be trying to remote work at home, but you're there, but not there. I almost think that sometimes that's more difficult. There's a blessing in it where I think kids have been able to see parents working right now and working hard. But I think there's, it doesn't mean that tug's not there for parents. And then you feel like you fail at something and you're like, okay, how do I get back? You know, that grace and feeling like we're going to maintain hope in our relationship, even though yesterday was kind of stinky. You know, like, mm, we were really nice to each other. Or... I totally broke, as you talk about, Sissy, like connection for a moment of correction, and that feels awful. So I think maintaining hope as a parent in your own parenting is something because mm-hmm. you have to know, okay, you're not you're not defined as a parent as your worst parenting day, you know, and we're all doing our best. But I think trying to maintain hope in that has been something that if you are a person who struggles with like guilt or want to make things totally perfect, you really have to just surrender and say, God, okay, that's on you. Like That is totally yes. on you. And you take that for us. God isn't expecting perfection. you know. So I think that that's something that as a parent to keep hope that there are going to be mistakes. There are going to be hard days. But I think just in the hope that God even restores that and he can multiply back all those minutes and he's going to multiply you back in time with your kids. It's never too late to like, make things fun and better. Because I think it should be fun. Like parenting's fun. But you, you can often such creativity to yes. it too. Well, I like fun. <laughs> I need it. I need it. There's enough hard in the world. Me too. Like yeah. I'm a foundational person. Like what's your foundation? And that's your what's your foundation? How do you have fun as a family? And you have to be intentional about that, right? Like you have to create fun sometimes. Like sometimes it just happens. But I think if fun is a habit in your family, then it's foundational. You know, mm-hmm. it's like this is what we do. We we're gonna yes. have some fun. Yes. 
But having fun hurts as you get older, I will say. Like, I played basketball with Isaiah. I couldn't hit one shot. I'm like, we're actually going to play bad basketball? <laughs> if you have a bad basketball, we just bad take bad shots. You take good. bad, ridiculous shots and see if you can make them. And like, that was, I was really thriving in that environment. <laughs> but I'm sore today. You. Sore. Aww. We've talked so much about that you just are a person who emanates a lot of hope. I mean, I think as someone who knows you, but I would imagine that parenting is probably one of the biggest challenges to it at times. Mm -hmm. And so what would you say are some of the biggest challenges to kind of staying hopeful as a parent? Well, I think for right now, you're trying to like find hope in the nope. Like it's been nope. (laughs) Hope in the nope. Like let's just be real. Like this whole year has been like nope. Like, yeah, you're going to go to camp. Nope. Oh, you're going to have a game. Nope. You're going to have friends over. Nope. We're going to have a pizza party. Nope. You're going to have a birthday party. Nope. Mm. You know, job was there. Nope. Like, it has been, like, trying to find hope and nope is hard. Mm. It's hard, but it doesn't mean it's not there. So I think it's just reminding ourselves of the things that are good. We usually put a board up for, like, summer vacation, and we write down, like, everything we did in the summer because I'm a person that I can forget. And as hopeful as I am, like, I can be kind of gloomy sometimes. I get the never, forever, always. (laughs) We're never, forever. We've always done this, and we're never going to do Like, I have days like that, okay? Mm. Like, I get like, will we ever? Will this be forever? I definitely can sit in that sometimes, in that humanness. But I think for me, writing down the things that have been fun, and we've done it for summer, we've done it for over Christmas breaks, we've done it over spring break, and we just write down on a board, like, all the cool things that have happened. Well, I'm like, we're doing this for quarantine and COVID. Yes. And I'm like... Does this seem ridiculous, right? Oh, I think that's so so smart. And we did it. We put it up, and I'm like, we need to identify where things have been good, Mm. even in the nope. Yes. So that was helpful because they were like funny little things that we might not have like circled or underlined in normal days, like backyard cornhole. All of a sudden, it seemed like that was amazing. (laughs) I mean, look what we did. (laughs) And it's just the little things that became highlighted in a season where nope was overriding, Mm. that actually gave us hope. So I think identifying, even in the season where things are going right, because the enemy wants to, you talk about that little liar, Mm -hmm. you know, like that trickster in your head is going to convince you that all you've had are cancellations. And I think figuring out what hasn't been canceled, what has been going well, you know, FaceTimes with me, putting those up there, even though they're an alternative, there's still blessings that have been offered. So we really needed... I th- when I say we, I mean I. I really needed a lot of reminders of like what was happening and good in a season of nope. And I think that was how we got to remind ourselves that there's hope. Mm. Hope that. in the nope. Hope I'm, I'm nope. going to stay in that hope for a long in the time. Nope. I love that. <laughs> hope it's in hard. The it's so hard. It but it's hard. there. Yes. And yes. it's a habit. Yeah. I think hope is a habit. I agree with you. Right? Don't you think? I absolutely agree with you. Just like I think gratitude is a habit. habit. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think some people are instinctively more hopeful or more grateful, Mm -hmm. but I think you're right. We can develop the muscle, the habit, the practice of Mm. that. I completely agree with you. Do you think Mm -hmm. boys and girls handle it differently, or is it just more of a personality thing? Like, I think boys see goals. Do goals get intertwined with hope? I think they can. Okay. You know, I talk a lot about boys being action-oriented, that they're just kind of instinctively problem solvers, let's move forward. And I think that can look like hope at times. But to your question, I do think temperament has a lot to do with that. Mm -hmm. No different than we might all say, I'm a little more glass, half empty, half full. Sure, yes. What would you say with girls? 
You know, I think today it feels like they have less hope. And not even just COVID, but I think part of anxiety, part of the depression that feels so rampant, and that whole idea that girls are just so hard on themselves. I think that's kind of one of our biggest blockages. Mm-hmm. Girls and women, it's both. I was thinking about how we don't really see smiles right now as much, mm. and that's so hard on kids. Yes. And really for girls especially, you know, we've always said like, oh, you're so beautiful when you smile. Like, I love when you smile, and you feel good when you smile, and you feel, I think you feel affirmed. Yes. When someone smiles back at you. Yes, and so I'm like, so wow, the, the amount of affirmation that they're being deprived of just on a daily basis. Mm. And like, we can kind of smiley eyes, but like, it's you have smiley eyes. <laughs> you have smiley Sissy eyes. Sissy has smiley she eyes. Does. David has smiley <laughs> eyes under those great glasses, <laughs> those spectacles. <laughs> but I do think it's hard because they're, not, hard. they're not feeling as outwardly beautiful maybe, but they mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the one thing that girls I think can be reminded of is that their hearts are smiling and yes. that they really are making someone smile even under a mask. But I would imagine that has to feel hard all day to be like covered. Yes. And unseen. I think something that girls probably struggle with in teens is just feeling unnoticed. Yes. Or hyper noticed. Like yes. hyper noticed in the bad and like yes. unnoticed. That's how I was when hyper-noticed I was hyper noticed in like, the bad and unnoticed mm. in the good. Yes. And so all day they're like covered under these masks. Mm-hmm. And I do think they're missing their smiles. Mm-hmm. I miss them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Oh. Yeah. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee. Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieve sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. You just described my exact state in waking up minus the need for coffee. (laughs) I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can be outside with the kids at camp without my eyes watering like a fountain, and I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. But at Hopetown, a frog could jump into your boat or your bed, and Claritin can't really help with that. That's true, but they've got allergies covered. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Can we ask you this? What would you say is one thing you have learned, either in the journey of your life or specific to the journey of parenting, about being hopeful? Hmm. I would say that identifying like the good is helpful to find your hope and placing your hope not in things of the world, but in who God is. Like that for me is hope because I trust, just like I want our children to trust us in uncertain times that like we are responsible and it's on us to get them where they need to go. I really trust that God is a good parent. 
his character and what he has done and what he will do says that he will get us where we need to go. Mm -hmm. And so that's my hope that just like I would not abandon my children, I would not set them aside. I would not put their path secondary. My primary goal is to get them where they need to go as far as it is up to me Mm. and Tim. And so I think as parents, we can oftentimes refer to that God is this awesome parent who just, he's going to get us where we need to go. And he's going to get our children where they need to go. Like God has our children. Like we get to guide them through this time, but ultimately they're his. And mm. really the, one of the coolest things that I've realized is like they are my brothers and sister in Christ more than anything else. Like I'll look at Grace and I'm like, wow, like you're my sister in Christ. Mm. Like we're actually sisters, and which I think is so cool. And the, the boys... They're like, you're my sister. I'm like, never mind. We'll get to this later. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Um, but I think that's kind of cool because it changes how you talk about things. Mm-hmm. And so I think hope is just being reminded that we've got this great father who's going to get us where we need to go. He's never far. Mm. He's within us. And that he's going to give us what we need. I've never had a job that I was super qualified for. God always gave me what I needed. And he places people on purpose around you, and he places you on purpose precisely in this time right now for people around. One thing I would love for teens to know in this time, like, it's not on accident you're here in this 2020 and 2021. Like, you are on purpose born when you were born. You're on purpose Mm, right here in this time for your own, how God wants to use you specifically, but a lot of times he's using you to just be a light to somebody else. Like, your purpose has a lot to do with the people around you. Whether you know it or not, God is using each and every one of you as teens and kids, and He is really excited to see you use your gifts in this world right now. Like It might feel like, why am I living right now? Why am I here right now? But you have an awesome purpose. If I could just convey that, and I know the two of you do every single day in the best way, in the most beautiful way, but you're on purpose born right now. You're on purpose 13, 14, 15 in 2021. That's so exciting to be here right now because God needs you here right now. And I just I hope kids can feel that in this season. Me too. And they sure need us to be reminding them. Mm-hmm. I do feel like purpose and hope are so intertwined. I feel more hopeful internally when I have a sense of purpose. Yes. And I think kids do too. We were talking about that as a staff Wednesday about how that feels like one of the things that kids are missing right now is a sense of purpose. Yes. Because they're not able to be out and volunteer, mm-hmm. I mean, doing the different things they would be doing. And so us wow. speaking that truth into their life. This week, Isaiah was remote learning. And, you know, they've all had these cycles where they've been contact trace or something. So he's yes. coming out of it. But Tim just had on his heart, he's like, we have to build something this week. Wow. And so awesome. he's like, Isaiah, this week, I need your help building cornhole boards. Mm. I was like, okay, I guess this is what you guys are going to do. But I saw like every day he would do his work and on his breaks, he was like, I have to help daddy do the cornhole boards. Like he had a purpose. Mm -hmm. And even for this 10-day period, Mm -hmm. he had a hope that got him through it. Yes. Based on purpose. See, that's why. Okay, I was like, that's why. Mm. But it makes sense because now I'm looking at this past week and you say that and it's just like truth laid on the example. Mm. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So hammers and nails and glue. For boys and girls. Yeah. for boy- yes. I love building yes. something. Yes. I was kind of annoyed. They didn't ask me to join. I was like, hey, <laughs> well, they should. I might need some hope this week too. <laughs> it would have been a I lot need a prettier <laughs> cornhole board. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I do think that's so right. 
I think reminding kids that they're needed too. Mm. Like we tend to do things as parents. We're like, I have it. I'll get it under control. Like I will start assigning things to our kids. Like I need you to do this. I really am counting on you to do this. I feel like is important in our family. Like I'm really counting on you to watch your brothers. I'm really counting on you to feed the dog. I'm really count whatever they can handle. Mm. Because I think that purpose is so important. That sense of capability. Yes. Yes. And even with anxiety, that helps ward it off. So. Awesome. Okay. So that might be an answer to the next question, which would be what are two or three of your guiding principles as a parent? Like you have so many great things that oh, you're gosh. doing with them regularly. But Pray. pray. <laughs> Just pray. Yeah. Pray for your children. For me, it's like the circle maker was a big impact. Mm. Read for me. Just praying intentionally about our children, their friends, our friends' children. Just being super prayerful. And then being like out loud with our prayer. I think even, you know, with flashlight night when having that wall. Can you talk a little bit more about that that, wall and what y'all are doing there? Well, I think it just like let our prayers out. Mm. I believe like not everyone deserves all of your details, not because they're not a great person or not because they're untrustworthy. You would give someone something to carry based on how well they could carry it and hold it, right? So sometimes someone might be hurt and they can't hold that well. Sometimes someone might not be steady and they can't hold that truth well. Sometimes it just might be hard for them to hold it. So you really have to assess. We talk about this, like when you're sharing things, make sure what you're sharing is something someone can hold and hold it well, you know, and you're not burdening them and you're not, it's not too heavy. So you give it to the right people to hold it. And I think that involves like trust. And so, but we want our kids to not be carrying things on their own. So there's, there's that tension between like, when can I share and who can I share with? And Uh, But I don't want to hold this all inside on my own. And the worst thing I think anyone can do, little kid or big kid like me, is just hold something inside on their own. And so getting it out was key. So that wall, we had seen a friend's prayer wall. And I was like, okay, we can do this. We can do this prayer wall. And I know the war room was huge back, I forget how many years ago. But I'm like, we need a way to get all of our prayers and worries out. We just moved. We just basically uprooted. Our kids are going to be trying to make friends and we had some friends that were really walking through some hard health times. So we made this wall. And then I'm like, we really need to identify where things are going well, where we see God answering prayer and where we don't and be honest with God. So that's the thing that I think was key for us is being really honest. It's not like God doesn't know. He's not like, oh, I didn't know that was really hard for you when your friend got sick and that was a loss. Like God knows. And so we're talking to our kids about saying, yes, I see God where you're working. I'm going to turn my flashlight on and then I'm going to click it off where I don't see you working. But I'm going to trust you care about me and trust you're going to see this through. Even though I can't see it, I know you're there. And so that was a habit we wanted to create because I was nervous to ask our kids to pray about big things and get no's and mm. then stop talking to God. Yes, Because you're not filling God in on anything. He knows anyway. But it's like when someone you care about, you know something's on their hearts and they're not sharing it. I think the danger in that is that there's a lack of intimacy, right? So when they come to you, like when Grace or Taylor Isaiah is like, this is really bothering me and I'm worried about this. I'm like, I knew something was on your heart. I knew that was on you, but you bringing it to me shows me you trust me and it brings us closer. And I think that's how God wants to be with us. He wants to have an intimate relationship with us. He already has all the power and all the knowledge. We're not like helping him out. <laughs> like he's good. <laughs> like, but he desires closeness with us and he wants us to feel close with him. So I think with our kids, God is always someone that can hold all of your things. Mm. He is always someone that is excited to hear your heart. And we have a king who wants to spend time with you. So like 
he wants those worries out. And in your family and in your safe spaces, like it's healthy to share these things. Yes, it is. So, and then you get to know as families and close friends, like what's really on someone's heart, mm-hmm. you know? And so you know how to pray for somebody too. And there's power in that. And I just think seeing the good and being honest about where you don't, it's okay. Mm. You know, you don't have to save your prayers for emergencies. And I think for kids too, when I was little, I would kind of save my prayers for emergencies. Like I don't want to pray about anything because it might be too big and maybe something bigger will come up and I'll need to save my like prayer ticket for like the big <laughs> thing, you know, like, yes. or something's too small and you're like, I don't want to bother God with that. Mm. And kids, I think one thing we've been able to articulate in Flashlight Night is like, there's nothing too big and there's nothing too small. Like nothing's bothering God. He sees all the details and nothing's too big for him. He's super powerful. So like, Mm. those are the things that I think that exercise has helped us in parenting in terms of bringing a hope in that we don't have to hold all these worries and fears on our own. And we can always trust that God is the one that can carry it for us. And he wants to. It's not a burden. It's a blessing. And it's a joy for him to hear our voices say out loud, be it in chalk or by voice or in pen, like, this is hard. You have such a gift of doing these experiential things with your kids. And we just talk so much about how that helps truth take hold in a different way with kids. And so really, every parent out there should get a copy of Flashlight Night. I don't care how old your kids are. Read it together and create some kind of space that you can do the same thing where they aren't just hearing you say the truth, but they're experiencing it for themselves. You want to be strong for your kids. Like, I remember I used to have the philosophy, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Don't ask me. I've never had a seven-year-old girl before. Like, I, I don't know. And they were like, fear on Grace's face. Like, what? You have no idea what you're doing? <laughs> like, that was a mistake, right? But that's where I was at that time. Like, I'm like, I'm making mistakes because I've never had one of you before. Yes. I'm clueless, you know? But that's not the posture God wants us to have. <laughs> so I've like really grown since then where I'm like, I'm specifically made to be your mom, Mm. you know? So I'm going to like count that God has placed us here, matched perfectly, and given us resources perfectly named Sissy and David. And (laughs) and like, we're going to do this thing, like, because it's on purpose. But I do think it's the way of connecting where you want to be vulnerable, but I'm strong in the Lord. Like, I know Mm. my strength is in the Lord. My strength is in who God made me as a mom and who God made Tim as a dad. And so I'm going to rely upon that. And I'm like holding God to that. Like, there are many times I'm like, I'm going to hold you to this, God, because this feels scary this past 2020 when even things we say to our kids and they're trusting us aren't happening. So like, are we losing credibility here? Mm. And so I think it's that balance of finding your strength in God. But I don't think you have to be apologetic for feeling uncertain in certain stages. And so that's been, I think, the growth for me as a parent is like having hope that I'm on purpose their parent. I have awesome resources like to look ahead in. Thank you for those stages. Mm. <laughs> like from explorer to <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> and even just knowing what's coming ahead and really seeking the wisdom of parents who've gone before you too. Like I think that's so helpful, but not feeling hopeless as a parent, like you don't know what to do and just praying that God's going to give you the wisdom at the right time. Just staying in the word is helpful. Mm. Super helpful. Yeah. God's word Mm. and your words. (laughs) We are so thrilled to be partnering with our friends at Minnow to bring back the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. We all know that devices are here to stay. So if you want to make screen time meaningful for your kids, Minnow is for you. 
a new streaming service designed just for kids. Minnow has over 2,000 episodes of fun and faith-filled shows that have been carefully curated by moms, dads, and church leaders, so it's safe for your family. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com to start your free trial. I want to throw you a curveball. Would you let me? Sure. I had a different question in mind right now, and it's just not every day that we would get to sit with a friend (laughs) who is also a parent who has been on the show Survivor. Okay, fun. (laughs) And it just feels like we've got to take advantage of that because I would love to ask you, what did you learn about Hope through that experience? That you are dropped off in the middle of nowhere with strangers, hungry, Dirty, alone, all of those things. Like, what did you learn about hope either for your life or for parenting through that experience? Sure. Wow. Okay. Let me think about that for a second. That's a good question. Take your time because I'm really throwing you a curveball, but I just am thinking, yeah. What a unique opportunity. Mm -hmm. When are we going to get to sit with somebody that we love and respect this much who's been on that cool show? Well, that was wild. I'd kind of backflip into things in life, and arguably the view was more hard than Survivor. So. Well, <laughs> His next level survivor. That's, that's a whole different level of survivor. And then honestly, 2020, I think we've all just kind of walked through it. So maybe that's why it's all coming back so clearly. Um, but I do think there were a couple things. One, I felt ready for something. So I yeah. think what I learned about myself was I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to trust God is going to give me what I need. I'm not a risky person. Like I don't like risk, but I like adventure if I trust it's going to be okay. Mm. <laughs> so I like a harness. But I will say Survivor, I remember they had you bring an, an immunity item. or a, And so I brought this headdress that I made. I made a headband and I put all these scarves. Like one was pink for my mom to remember that she got through breast cancer and that I could get through this. I had one that was all colors, like to remind myself that I was an artist. You know, I had one wow. that was black and white because I wanted to make clear decisions. Like I needed like a physical big reminder of like, who I was for me and to tell everybody else. And I remember Roger Bingham, his survival item was a Bible. And like that headdress had purpose and I needed it. But I realized like I was trying to tell everyone who I was and I was trying to tell myself who I was to get me through a hard time. But ultimately his survival item, that Bible became mine because it was God's word who told me Mm. who I was. And it was God's word who told me that he would see me through. And it was God's word that said, even in the dark night with crocodiles crawling around and nine out of the 10 deadliest snakes and a bunch of creepy crawly spiders that I don't like and a girl who's never really camped before but once. (laughs) Like God's word that said, I'm not going to forsake you, that told me who I was and who he was and that we would get through this. And I knew it was finite, but even something finite, you can get lost in the lie that it's never going to be over. And so I think the survival item that I ended up finding there was somebody else's and the word and the explanation for my identity came through the Bible. And so that was something that I think it took me a few years to realize like that's what happened there. But for sure, in that time of trial and uncertainty and challenge and no snacks, (laughs) first world problem, right? But in that time, I really relied upon God's word to survive. And so there'll never be another time that I go through where that won't be my reliance, mm-hmm. completely set on his word. Because everything else has a limit. It might be true-ish, 
but it's going to hit a limit because even I doubt myself, like I'm pretty positive, but I have days where I'm just like, maybe I'm not good at this thing. Maybe I'm not supposed to do that. You know, I'm just not even important here. Mm. Do I even matter? Like those things will sneak in everybody's head. Even the most hopeful person (laughs) will have a day, a moment, an hour, a week where you're going to be questioning those things. Mm. And so if you don't have a word in in your heart that's stronger than your own, good luck. You can bring your reminders. And I, I think they're helpful if you're visual, but ultimately God's word is what got me through and never to do that again. (laughs) <laughs> that was the other bit of wisdom. Like, don't do that again. There's no need. There's really no need. <laughs> There's no need. So those, don't they have like reunion? Ep- I mean, yes. Um, yes. And Mark Burnett has asked me to go on that. I'm really? like, oh, why would I do that? <laughs> We're friends now, but I'm pretty sure he was trying to kill me. So I'm like, why would, no. Wis- <laughs> What is it? The proverb that we're learning is like the why see danger and like, what is it? Seek refuge and the silly or simple minded keep going. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that that is like warning sign. Like I'm good. But I will say to anyone who wants to try something new, like I've been fired. I've never been qualified for a job I had. I designed shoes for Puma. I shouldn't have gotten that job. I should have been fired for trying to make a wooden shoe. You know, like I had bad ideas. I had a couple of good ones, but like every day should have been fired. But every job I had, I learned there because the experience is where you learn. And I think feeling free to ask questions and find great mentors is key for young people. Just because you studied one thing. I studied studio art and I ended up like, broadcasting news, like also unqualified. But I think learning in the present and learning where you are, like it's just a great exercise and like God's going to equip you with what you need and he's going to equip you with people around you to help you learn. So Mm. don't be afraid to try something new that you feel unqualified for. There are a ton of opportunities. Just don't be afraid. The great word. Don't be afraid. Pack some snacks. (laughs) Pack snacks. Should have snuck some snacks to the Australian (laughs) Outback. That would have been a better thought. Yes. (laughs) So in light of people that are helping you learn, I'm sure your kids are teaching you a lot Mm -hmm. currently. Yes. Will you say their ages again for everybody here? So 15, almost 16, 13, and 11. So what would you say they've been teaching you lately? So much. Mm. Determination. I think they've been so sacrificially compliant to any sort of rule around them right now in COVID that they have taught me what it looks like at a young age to make sacrifice for the whole. And we talk a lot about with athletics, you know, you're you're sacrificing for your team, you're doing the best thing for the team, but they are really, I've seen them and witnessed from them, you know, they have one carrying on a crate of his items in the house with like headphones on and he has to keep moving because something's loud outside so we can't get on the Zoom or the Wi-Fi is down. And I see his compliance and just trust that like he's just got to do what it takes to like make this school happen. And then I see, you know, Grace playing lacrosse nine hours a day in some tournaments in a mask, which it's hard. You know, you're running around and you're just trying to catch your breath, but she's doing it because she knows it keeps people safe and she wants to be a part of it. And that's how it happens. I've seen this awesome compliance and resilience and determination in them that they, I think I need to be reminded of daily. And even Taylor, like, you know, the sacrifice of not being able to play certain sports right now is hard on kids. Mm. And I've seen a patience in him and a determination and a bravery in trying something new, a new school and making friends through a mask is hard. But I've seen him really try to get to know people in a new way. And where your strengths might be in something you participate in, you have to really be 
strong and brave to try to find out something else you might be strong in. You know, where, and I think our kids are Renaissance kids. I think mm-hmm. everyone's kids are. You know, they have multifacets. I think because Tim played football, I'm oftentimes being like, they do other things, you know? <laughs> like, they're, yes, they're athletic, but they, Isaiah loves to cook and Taylor loves to build things. And, you know, they have all these other interests. And so I think seeing the whole person, what they've taught me is you really need to see the whole person because they've had a whole area of their lives at times shut down where your identity can get wrapped up in, oh, he's a football player. He's a pitcher. You know, he does this. And it's not about what they do. It's about all of who they are. So really, they've been so good at showing me that you can have something taken away or put on pause in a way and accelerate in another area that you love. And you have, might have to go find it. <laughs> you might have to go figure out what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. So that's been a real great lesson for me again in life. Because I think you can kind of get in your own habits at this point in life. And just it's okay to try something new. They are always reminding me of that. And I just think their kindness always teaches me. Mm. They just always spot something that's worth spotting. Mm. And how they're friends. I love how they are friends to their friends. Like they're just good friends. And so I'm always learning from that. Mm. And to play, they are teaching me the importance of play. Again, it hurts. (laughs) 43. (laughs) Might have a pulled hamstring. (laughs) It's hard to play basketball in hokas. Don't try it at home, moms. (laughs) They don't work well with lateral movements. Uh, they're just, they're great for straight running slowly with your dog, but like not, not meant for basketball or making cuts, okay? Mm. <laughs> Almost lost an ankle yesterday. This is not sponsored by Hoka, if you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it's the importance of play and just being fully present mm. has been key. Like it doesn't matter if you have five minutes after work or 10 minutes or 15. Yes. I think getting real attention to each other has been something that they have really highlighted for me being important. Well, it has obviously rippled over into them because I'm going to brag on them for a second because we went the other night to Elizabeth's house because it was book release day. And we had a so book, book birthday. We had a book birthday. And so my sister Kathleen and her two-year-old son, my nephew Henry, we all went over and took gluten-free cupcakes to their house. And I wanted to surprise you. And you did. (laughs) I was in my slippers, I think. So I got Grace's cell phone number from a mutual friend. And I have to say, she blew me away. And obviously, I know a lot of girls her age. And she not only was so on it texting me back, I mean, back and forth trying to coordinate, (laughs) but she was so kind to me. I mean, just really affirming and encouraging. She couldn't have been any (laughs) I don't know this. (laughs) I I mean, I know this about her. I didn't know you were texting. (laughs) Oh, no. I was blown away by her. Oh. And then we come in your house, and Henry is two. So he, <laughs> as David would say, never stops moving. This is all new for me. And Isaiah got out a xylophone and was sitting there playing with the xylophone with Henry. And Taylor, I mean, Henry was obsessed with both of the boys. Could, oh. I think he told them he had just turned two 19 times. At least. Yes. And Taylor was running around chasing Henry, and they stayed in the room with us. And it would have been so easy for them to just go on and do their own thing. Yeah. But just the degree that they were attentive and kind and reached out and were hospitable and hopeful. I mean, it just felt like 
I'm with Elizabeth's kids. Well, they and can, Tim, they Tim, can, you get credit too. Tim. You were awesome and hung out with <laughs> us Tim's as so well. Funny. Told us we could come swim sometimes. <laughs> Tim loved it. Uh, they loved you. First of all, the two of you were household names. So like, <laughs> they just love you anyway. But I think they really trust. I think kids trust who their parents trust. Yes. And so that's something that's wildly contagious in heart. Mm. And so they know we love you. So you could have come over with like a chore list and they would have been like, sure, sissy, no. like we're in. Well, but they, I love that they got to witness friends showing up for each other mm-hmm. because that's who we want to raise our kids to be, right? We want to grow these adults that are going to show up for friends yes. in any way that they can. And it might look different for each child. Like Isaiah super present. If he was like, we're going to play xylophone for 10 hours. He would have been doing it. You know, yeah. Taylor is super, he is such a deep heart and he's like physical. So he wants to like play something. Grace is organized. Mm. You know, she's a planner. So yes. you tapped into she like one of her strengths great. clearly and she's wildly responsible. So she probably like could see the night laying out, had a project, I think to get it like a FaceTime project to work on, yes. um, but knew that she but could be she fully present. afterward. Did she really? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> just, I was so impressed with all three of them. Oh my gosh, and it just they love says you. so much about you and Tim. I just was grateful no, to get to witness. Yeah. They are their own. They are rolling over. I know. They are their own. They're amazing. We, lo- we do right love too. them, but I also think they're their own. Like we can't. Um, so there's something there I probably have a question on because you'll have, <laughs> I have so many questions. <laughs> like, you see this in your children. You could tell so much about your parenting. But then there are seasons that you know we've seen friends go through or we might go through or we don't know what's around the corner. And so I think how do parents avoid or walk through that? Like if something's not happening right, blaming themselves for doing something wrong to cause something or a tough season in their kid's life. So that's my question for you. Because <laughs> I think that's hard because you're always like, you hear this as a parent, like, and that you want that for the good stuff. Like, yes, we love our kids. Like, we are borderline obsessed with them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Tim and I will look at each other like, have we had a date? Because <laughs> like, yes. we enjoy being around our kids. We thoroughly do. And we know time is short. So we don't want – it's not like we're trying to escape them. Like, in their little ages, we're like, can someone do bath time just one night a month? Like, mm-hmm. that'd be awesome. But we really savor our time with them. And we enjoy their company. They make life pretty fun and they're our friends as well. And so you want to hear when things are going well, like you can tell, you know, how much they're loved. But then if you ever enter a season where it's not going well, how do you not like then say, oh gosh, well, what did I do? Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. So what do you, Mm -hmm. how do parents navigate that? Now I'm asking you. (laughs) I was thinking which really makes me think your book, like the wisdom of having hope that we just may be walking through a hard season and we can't see what's mm-hmm. around the bend and leaning into the knowledge that that may be true of our circumstances or, as you said a little bit earlier, and we talk so much about and Wild Things and Raising Girls, that just may be true to this season of development. And I think mm-hmm. is why we love taking advantage of any chance to talk about development so that if parents find themselves moving toward what did I do wrong or what is going wrong, that it very much may just be about the fact that he doesn't have full frontal lobe development yet. Right. Like, okay. And that could explain a whole lot. Or okay. that in this season, he is moving all the time. Mm-hmm. And that may not mean more than just he is an active creature with limited regulation skills at this point. And okay. so I love that you pointed that out. And part of where our desire is that that would always hopefully offer some hope to parents that it really may be connected to development. I don't yeah. know what else you'd say in response. Well, I mean, I think I love what you said. And I think they 
have their own free will. And I know that I'm loved deeply by God, and I do crazy things. You know, I mean, so <laughs> right. I, I think it is very much that. And I think we would both say, out of these a lot of years, we've been counseling families. We have seen fabulous parents whose kids go through really hard things and make silly choices. And there is no family math where one plus one great parent equals a great child in every season of their life. Okay, And so, you know, I think as you were talking earlier, one of the things I thought about, I read about years ago, a woman talking about going through a season with her son saying that everything, there are parentheses always, and there's the opening parentheses and there's the closing parentheses. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so to know that whatever season you're in, not only is it going to pass, but it's not about you as a parent. It is very much about who they are and their own little, they're their own little people. Wow. Wow. And even in that season, you're specifically there to love them through that parentheses, whatever that is. Okay, good. That's... Yeah. I love, this is why I love you both. Like, oh. that's just so freeing to hear as a parent because it's not like you don't want, you already have enough responsibility, right? You, right? you know it and you love it. That's who you are. It's part of like why you do what you do every single day. But I think having that wise counselor, it's why it's just so Christ-like. It's like when I hear that word as it's like painted on like how we define Jesus, right? That mm. wonderful counselor. I'm like, oh, you're yeah. so Christ-like in what you do because mm. we need wisdom as parents. Like, I didn't know that. About that lobe. <laughs> <laughs> it is not developed. You know, it's mm-hmm. so, okay. Yes. Yes. Well, it's just... late to develop for us boys. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like when? Like, hold on to your seat while I say this, okay? Like mid-20-ish. What? <laughs> <laughs> that most developmental theorists would say girls are finishing out adolescence around 19 to 20, boys somewhere in the 23 to 25 space. And I wow. think there's something so helpful about knowing that, yes. that we could even order our normal. expectations for boys differently and think, of course, he's not going to be at this particular place when he's 19 or even when he's 22. It allows us, I think, just to think about him differently and helping him map out that last season of his adolescence even in a different way than we might for our daughters. So how do you parent that? Because if you're like consequences, right, there are consequences to your actions. You're right. never outside of my love for you. You're never outside of God's love for you. But like... You know that moment of like, what the heck were you thinking? Mm-hmm. Right. How do you con- how do you uh, assign consequence to things when they really weren't? It's not their fault. Right. Or was it? It depends on their development. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> Just. And we're wanting to teach them to think. Okay. They're not naturally, but that's part of what we're trying to help do. Can you gloom and doom a kid too much with like, hey, you're going to probably run into this. Like, you know what? You're going to see someone's going to offer you drugs. It's not going to be that like scary person in the commercial. It's probably going to be a friend or this might happen when you're at a party or, you know, if you're opening up your phone, you might see things that don't really define girls the way that God defines girls. And like, Mm. you would not want to, are these things we should be saying ahead of them or around them? Or is that going to just scare them about the world? I have too many questions. I We're going to be here five aware. hours. Kick me out of this amazing home. <laughs> I think being aware of how often we're saying it at Vitville's constant, that might be a little much and okay. create more anxiety in them. But I think too, I mean, I do think they need to know those things and partnering it with 
I know you make great decisions. I believe so much in your heart That's that good. you are capable of turning that off or you're capable of making a good choice in the midst of that, that we're even warning. And when we give them consequences in both places, we're saying, but I believe in you and I think this is who God's made mm-hmm. you to be. So that we're kind of reminding them of that sense of hope and confidence in the midst of it. That's good. We say a lot like, that's not who you are. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to say that. Like we have pretty compliant kids so far, you know, but every <laughs> parent's like, Right. You're just kind of taking day by day because yeah. you want these children to make good decisions for them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, I don't want that for you. I think my heart often breaks when it's like, oh, I don't want you riding your bike across that road at that time for you. Like right. you ache when they're doing things against your will, right? Mm-hmm. And you ache when they're doing things that could bring them harm. And you ache when it's like that distance gets long between who they are and what they just did. And I think that's where like frustration can set in for a parent. Like that's not who you are. And yes. that's what God probably says to us. Too. Yes, like, that's absolutely. not who you are. Yes. I know who you are. Yes. And that's why it makes me sad. But I think just encouraging them along the way, that's so wise. Mm-hmm. That's so wise. As you were talking, the other thing I thought about earlier too is Walter Wankerin. I don't know if you've ever read him, but there he wrote a book. I think it's called Little Lamb Who Made Thee. It's this real sweet parenting book that's really old. I think he ends the book with saying, God is the God of teenagers too, and God is the one parent who will not be superseded. Mm. Which I wow! That. Oh, that I just got a chill. Just, uh-huh. It's so empowering and freeing at the same time. Like you're yes. just—it's calming because it's true. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be thinking about that. I'm gonna be saying it in the car on the way home. <laughs> What's the one thing we can do as parents right now? What should we be <laughs> like, saying? Only Elizabeth. Can we just say? I have oh, one more question. No, you can, you can edit this out, but I have questions now I have you. What's the one thing we need to be saying to these preteens and teens right now before bed? Like, is there something that they need to be reminded of? What's something every parent can kind of whisper into their ear at night? Or a couple of things that they can go to sleep resting in or throughout the day. Like, what are they, what are they most worried about? I'll jump in first because I just had an interesting conversation with some parents about this. And they, bless their hearts, have several teenagers and are super overwhelmed. And, and you know, normally teenagers are in their rooms a lot, but especially now if they're doing remote learning, they're in their rooms all the time. And so they were saying she's just out of her room so rarely that whenever she's out, we're just barking all these things at her like, you've got to do this and don't forget to do this and you've got to clean your room and get all the trash out of there and, you know, all this stuff constantly. And I was saying to them what I absolutely believe is true, and that I don't think it's ever harder to be a teenage girl than it is today. But I don't think it's ever harder. Oh boy. Yes. Or an eight-year-old. I mean, any of it. It is so hard, and there's so much pressure. And so, I mean, I love these parents. And I said to the dad, okay, let's stop right now. What you just said, you've said to her. Have you said it before? And he said, uh-huh. And I said, then don't say it again. Oh. She's heard you. And oh. so right now, what I want you to do is I want you to be saying, I like you. And I believe in you. Mm. And that's really it. Okay. I like you. I'm going to cry. And I believe I in need you. to hear that too. <laughs> I'm a teenage girl also. <laughs> it even feels like good you, to hear we that. In well, you hey, so thanks. Much. I like you and I believe in you both also. <laughs> but that is, wow. It's amazing how even just hearing that, mm. there must be a natural desire to yes, just all hear that, us. meaning there must be a fear that it's not true. Yes. And right? that, what a great reminder as parents, because I think we all, we keep talking about this, but we've never heard more parents crying or feel shame in our office or feel like they're failing. Mm-hmm. And so as parents, you need people in your life who are going to say the same things, wow. echo the same truths. Would you say that? I love it. I, I was thinking in that same space because I was thinking, you know, there's there's not a time more than adolescence where they're going to feel unsteady, insecure, uncomfortable in their own skin and doubting. Do my friends like me? Am I accepted? All those things. And I just think if they feel loved, 
Mm-hmm. You are loved and you are liked. Like if the rest of the world is against me in this house, in this space, mm-hmm. I have two people who have always been in my corner are still in my corner. And so, yes, I wow. think landing right there in that space. Okay. That's wise. I just love you both so much. <laughs> we you love wisdom. You. You're just so, you're just pure goodness. Mm. It's really just such a gift. It's such a gift to just be able to breathe out about these seasons, especially in this one now. Mm. And I hope there was someone like you, even back in like the 1800s, helping parents, not through a (laughs) podcast, but maybe through just a walk in town. But I don't know. I'm pretty sure that the uniqueness that you offer is so perfectly suited to right now because it's, Mm. this is a time, you know, this is a time, but our kids are all going to be stronger for it. I do believe that. And it does Mm. take them being brave. Mm. Yes. So I love all of your offerings because I think having having your voices over all the noise of right now and fear is so, so important. And having your voice. Yes. And a copy of Flashlight Night. I just love how he says that. <laughs> oh, and I just, I, I can't imagine there'll be any copies of Brave left. Mm. So you're probably in reprint now. Wild Things, if, if someone has a boy, I'm just, I don't even ask their names now. I'm just like, here, Jesus, you need this book? <laughs> okay, yeah. you just need this. And you need raising boys and girls. I have. I walked in and I saw all the books, and I'm like, "That's helped me. That's helped me. That's mm. helped me. That's helping mm. me. This is helping me. This is." They're really oh, just the. Mo- I really don't want to read anything else. Like I don't read fiction because I'm like, why? I have David and Sissy <laughs> in real life topics to cover. Okay, I need all of this. I'll read fiction later when <laughs> when our kids need to read all of your books for their children. Okay, <laughs> I got a time best. for fiction in my life. It's not now. <laughs> oh. Well, we've got one more question for you. Okay. We love to end on a fun note. Okay, fun. But before we do, I, I want to say this to you. I was thinking when you let me throw you the curveball about Survivor a mm-hmm. little bit earlier. I don't think I've ever told you this. Like, I remember watching you. I remember watching the show in the early years and watching you and rooting for you. Oh. I was so on your team. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and I also remember thinking, like, I knew without a doubt that you were a believer. And I, Elizabeth, I think about, I love Madeline Lingle's words, the beauty of her words when she talks about being a light so lovely that people are drawn Mm. to that light and want to know the source Mm. of it. And I think Mm. it was evident then. It was evident when you were on The View. It's been evident in you and Tim's life. Of course, you've been drawn into all these public spaces because you are such evidence of that light and people mm. are drawn to it. Amen. And, oh, and that, has been, our, so that mm. has been our experience with you before mm. we knew you and oh. we're friends at that felt oh. evident then. And I think why people are drawn. And even as we were talking about your kids getting to witness mm. when you were talking about us cheering on a friend, mm. like that's part of that. All that is just part of that with who you all are mm. as people and as parents. So I need a lot of you. grace. All moments have not been bright. Mm. But God's so good. He's just so good. And he just, he constantly renews and restores. And so I'm so thankful for that. I'm really thankful for that. So, and I was so young in my walk with him then, Mm. but thank you. Thanks for rooting for me. I needed that. That was, that was hard. (laughs) That was hard. But I feel the same way about the two of you. We try to drive by this place as often as possible because I want my kids to know what a real lighthouse looks like. And there's no water around here. If you're anywhere around, like there's, there might be a little river here or there. Your lighthouse is on cement, but it's a lighthouse. And it's because what the two of you do and what everyone in this place does. And I just want you to know that 
that comment is reflected right back at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will accept it with grace because <laughs> I need a lot true. of grace, but I'm shining it right back on you because <laughs> I feel true. the same way. I really wow. do. We're so indebted to you in so many ways, but I just know I don't think we could go about raising these children without your wise voices in our lives. It's just true. Everything you write, everything you say, I think I just want to take it all in. So I just hope you feel encouraged to keep doing what you're doing for as long as God gives you to give and that you have a bunch of parents here who just love you so much and their kids feel loved and like really well shepherded through this time because we're leaning on your wisdom. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Of course, she ended where she began with being kind and gracious and hopeful. And I love what you said. A light so lovely. That does Mm -hmm. feel like you. That's so kind. Yes, it does. Thank you for being with us. Yes. It's so fun to get to be in the room with you and talk. I love being here. I could talk for, I have a lot of words now. This is what happens (laughs) when you take a former broadcaster off the air for four years. She just let out all of her words today. <laughs> somebody can, awesome. somebody tell, are. give her the cut side. But wait, I had a fun, you told, said one more question. Yes, fun. we got one oh, yeah, more yeah, yeah. and it's a You're fun right. one. Okay. We are all about the foods and snacks here and so in fun. particular tacos is a favorite for us. So we want to know what is your favorite kind of taco? Especially with the gluten-free. How do you make a taco that's really good? Because there are probably a lot of people that want some wisdom on that. Yeah, so I love... Corn tortillas. Yes. Not everybody does, but I, I think do. they're better. Yes. I'm just campaigning for them too. because mm-hmm. I feel like they're better. Mm-hmm. So I love anything in a corn tortilla. <laughs> yes. I love a taco. I love the second to last taco the most. It's a matter of what's in it. It's always going to have like a great meat, cilantro. I love guacamole. If there's extra guac Mm. in there, worth it always. But I am like the second to last taco. Like, you know, when you get three or four in those little like taco trays, the last one is good, but you're just kind of saying goodbye the whole time. And the second to last taco, you're really enjoying because you know there's one more. And so you're just kind of there. You're really present. So I like the second to last taco (laughs) of a taco trio or taco taco quad. Can we have tacos with you and Tim and you can have the next to last one? We'll say that yes, for you. Yes, yes, yes. That's yes. good. And I love a taco explosion and a taco bowl. But Ooh, the yeah. second to last taco is something special. Yes. You're not quite saying goodbye. Yes. yes. No, you're yes. just right there. Even the eating tacos with hope. In the moment. <laughs> <laughs> just in is. the moment. Yeah, just in the moment. That's good. Uh, so, yeah, that's oh. my favorite one. Whatever's okay. inside, as long as it's in a corn tortilla, I'm happy. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Elizabeth, thank you, Brand. You are just the thank best. You. This is You're so fun. Best. I'm going to like float so through fun. the rest of my day now. <laughs> Us too. I feel so enabled, <laughs> so encouraged. Good. I'm going to go pick my kids up from school early and the one who's home remote, let's just hang out with mom. She's feeling <laughs> awesome. Yes, she is. <laughs> yes, she is. Thank you. Thank you. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow helps you make screen time meaningful for your family, which shows kids love and values parents' trust. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.g-o-m-i-n-n-o.com. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.